Meet Chembo, an actress, performance artist, musician, and content creator. She's popularly known for her role on Zuba as the character Sui, as well as for her music where she goes by the name Chembo Music. In today's episode, we talk about creativity, rebirth, and reinvention, and what it takes to make it as an independent artist in Zambia. We take a look at Chembo's journey and discuss her growth, personal challenges, and more. Evening, Chembo. Welcome to Conversations with Lilabi. Hi. <laughs> Why, Why am I being awkward? Like, <laughs> I'm already being awkward. Guys, she's yeah. doing a whole Ron Burgundy. Oh, no, not Ron Burgundy. Um, Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights. his hands. He's like, I don't know what to do with the my hands. The legend of Ricky Bobby. He's like, mm. yeah. yeah. All right. So, <laughs> welcome, friend. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. It has. It's been like two years. I know. Yeah, it's been two years because I think I saw you May, end of May or beginning of June 2019. Indeed. Yeah, yeah that's wow. last time I saw you. Time moves so fast, doesn't feel that far. Like, it doesn't, especially now also like with COVID, one would think time would move slowly, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still think it's, I'm in 2020 half the time. Listen, the birthdays for last year that didn't happen, okay? No, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, mine happened, so I'm good. <laughs> and mine happened actually with pre-COVID, so I can't really, you know. But, mine yeah. was during, but I mean, Zambia never went into a lockdown. Exactly. Ah, you guys talk. Anyway. <laughs> so, Chembo, today I really want to, like, talk to you about so many themes, mm-hmm. things like reinvention, rebirth self-care, all of those things that I know that you're like super into, that I'm also into. Mm-hmm. But before we dive into that, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? Yo, childhood. It's like therapy. Yeah, childhood. it's like therapy. Um, well, my name is Chambo Liansha. I was born, I was born in Livingston, actually. And I think you know that. Do you know that? No, I, I was just, like did a whole look. I did oh, a whole yeah, face. Yeah. I, was like, I was born what? in Livingston, yeah. How have I never known this? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I was born there. I think I lived there only a couple of years and then we moved we moved a lot. Like we moved around the country a lot. And then fast forward to when I was like fourteen, I just turned fourteen, I moved to the UK and I've lived there fully since and then I moved back to Zambia to work with Bearfi in 2014 and then again i went back then i was like let me move back to zambia again yeah so as i was saying earlier like earlier <laughs> as i was saying um 2014 i was here for bare feet uh, working with them as producer and then eventually director for a musical um oliver twist like an african version in conjunction with pestalozzi school i went back again because um, I was only here for that. I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know if I want to live in Zambia yet, blah, blah, blah. Then I was like, you know what? After that experience, I was like, fully, like when I went back, I was like, you know what? I can actually just immerse myself in the creative industry in Zambia, see how I can be, I guess, useful as well. So 2016, I moved fully. And I was like, okay, I've moved now and everything. And yeah, a lot's happened since. And I've learned a lot. And my life's changed and transformed a lot. Like, I've gone through a lot of transition. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, rightly so. I think every there's different chapters and there's different seasons of life and there's so many different things that we're going to go through. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if you're working on yourself, then you're growing and mm-hmm. you're changing for the better. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into like all your artistic background. 
but how do you think that your family and friends would describe you? <laughs> um, I think they would say I talk a lot, which I do talk a lot. I have lots of things to say about stuff that I find important to say stuff about. Um, I think they would say I'm... Someone described me as I'm really like a go-getter and I'd never really see myself as I just think like I just try stuff out. <laughs> no, you're a go-getter. Like I'm looking at you like giving you a fire. Yeah, you gave like, me an eye. Oh, on. <laughs> yeah. You're like the most go-gettery person. I don't think I've met someone who, I don't know, you just, you're very like passionate about everything that you do and you're like driven and I love that. it's like a nice thing to see. That's, that's good. I like it. I like it either way. I mean, I think I just, I think I'm very like, you know, I'm very I'm a chill person that just goes for what they like, you know, like I'm just trying stuff out. Sometimes I'm just trying stuff out. But yeah, I think they'll say that. I think they'll say I'm brave as well because I tend to do the most random moves, like moving to Zambia after not living here for so many years. I think that was something I could agree with too. Like, okay, that was a brave move. Yeah, because your mom is in Wales. Yeah. Like, your brother is that side. Yeah. Like, you, yes, you've got extended family here, but you also yeah. haven't, like, fully, like, grown up with everyone exactly, here. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's new, uncharted territory. You're also, like, okay, you might know a few people, but, like, do you exactly. have a group of friends? Like, all the things that I think even though we're like adults, we mm-hmm. still always need, you want to find like your tribe. You need people, exactly. you need a support system. Exactly, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think I didn't quite fully understand it until I moved and then I started to see certain things that I realized, okay, maybe this this is a little crazy. But then at the same time, I was so focused on just trying to grow in my craft, trying to grow in like understanding how the dynamics of the industry is like here and seeing how I'd fit in there, where I'd fit if I'd fit and, and, you know, in any space and stuff and just trying to grow really. Um, but yeah, that's really me, I guess. <laughs> so like, how old were you when you realized that you were a natural performer <laughs> or, you know, a creative person? Oh, creative, I think is from the jump because my mom talks about, I used to like draw a lot, like draw the walls in the house a lot. You know, they gave me some sort of liberty to do that, but like not all of it. And then I used to sing at the church choir, really. That was, I think that was kind of like my mom trying to get me to do something interesting that's not, you know, be talkative. And I've always been like, she the, was like, you can use that voice for something I, else. I've been a talker like since day one, like <laughs> even in school, I'd get in trouble in primary school. I remember that I'd get in trouble for talking a lot and, you know, not much else being smart, but she talks so much. Um, and then also I remember my mom and my parents really like they exposed us to a lot of music and art and stuff, but also I used to like just dance a lot in the house, like dance for everybody, you know, that type of thing. I was that kid, that kind of kid. And even primary school, I used to do a lot of performing. There was a lot of performing and drama things in primary school. And yeah, I mean, I've been, I feel like I've been a creative person since the jump. I've been doing that. And it's just been like, I've just grown into it, you know, more than anything. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can totally relate to talking too much anyone who knows me I mean here I am hosting a podcast Mm -hmm. so clearly I like to talk yes (laughs) to other people to myself creatives have to talk to themselves Uh, yeah (laughs) they like to make Instagram videos yeah there's a a lot that goes Uh on and I remember I would also get in trouble at school but I think it's also I think part of the thing I identify with a lot of creatives and not everyone Mm -hmm. is like a talkative person 
there are like quiet creatives because there's different kinds of creatives but i think it's if they're not asking questions like verbally they still are seeking something because i think i was just very inquisitive as a child Mm -hmm. i wanted to understand like okay yeah we have to do this but why why are we doing this yeah Yeah, why who says that's a running thread for creative people (laughs) like i'm like okay that's a rule but like who came up with the rules exactly and why did they come up with the rules exactly and why do i need to follow the rules (laughs) exactly Yo, the following of the rules thing is actually a theme, hey? Like, I think I've been terrible at that since day one. I've always hated being told what to do. Like, I've yeah. always hated it. I hate it even now. I don't know how people still, like, put up with me when they employ me and stuff. I listen a bit, but I'm still going to try to do other things in a way that yeah. suits me. I'm a natural. <laughs> I always say I'm a rebel. Exactly. <laughs> for the cause, fighting for the right to express. Yes. I mean, the, obviously, there are rules that I'll follow, but yeah. Of course. So you actually uh, studied film, performing arts. Performing arts, sorry. Yes. yes, sorry. But you've worked in different yes. uh, mediums of uh, film, theater. Yes. What is your favorite role that you've played so far? Ooh, <laughs> that's interesting. As an actress, no. as an yeah. actress, my favorite role has been. I'll just mention the most like obvious one because I think. I've played really interesting roles like on stage, theater-wise. I think I played a character called The Ash Girl. There's a play called The Ash Girl, and it's a, it's almost like an adaptation. It's an adaptation, almost, of Cinderella. Mm. Yeah. It's called The Ash Girl because Cinderella would sleep in, mm, near yeah. the chimney and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was one of my favorites. But I would also say I really enjoyed playing Sui on Zula season one. I really enjoyed playing that character because I felt like it was just unlike me and I just really enjoyed being her like really becoming that person I feel like I was that person yeah for, for like the months what I was, was playing that like though when you played that character because I remember like now I'm your friend but then also of course mm-hmm. I'm on social media I work in the industry too but like I'm That's seeing great. tweets and people are either like there's people who love Sui and then there's people who hate yeah. Sui like did you just feel like, oh, that means I'm doing something right as an actress? Because <laughs> these people are, like, so invested. They've forgotten that I'm like, I'm Chembo. Hi, I'm you playing know, a role. It's funny because I'd see people who I, like, follow and know, you know, tweet things like that. I had, I had like, a family friend of mine tell me, like, I really hate you on TV. Like, it's crazy. I'm just like, I know you, but I can't connect. And I'm finding it hard to be around you and stuff. I mean... For me, it was confirmation that I was fully in the character, even though I feel like, obviously, as an actor, you're an actor, you know that. So there's moments where you feel like, oh, am I really, like, am I giving this role my all? Am I really becoming this person and not just being aspects of, too, too many aspects of Chembo, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, the re- the response, I was like, okay, I think I got it, yeah. Because the, the, the backlash was in person, too. I couldn't go somewhere and people wouldn't say something to me like, oh, oh my goodness, you're so mean to Zuba, la di da. And yeah, I mean, I learned a lot from that as well. So it was just, yeah, that's one of my favorite roles so far. But I, I think love, my next role is going to bang. I do love that how when you're on television and people, you're in people's homes, like whether it's five nights a week or whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. and they all have like that like date with the TV show. To exactly. watch it, and they're so invested because I remember like South African <laughs> actress Pamela Nomvete, who was on uh, Generations back in the day. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten her character's name. Ah, oh, 
But she was like, like a mean character, right? Yes. She was mean. She was like, she would get slapped in a shop, right? By <laughs> fans. Crazed fans were like, I don't like what you're doing to Achi Morocco, whatever it was, you know? I think like, people get immersed, you know? People it's a forget. real world. I mean, don't be out here assaulting people because you, you, yeah, you, you might get slapped, you know? But, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. get what you mean. People are like so invested and people mm-hmm. are like, no, you can't do this to Zuba. And people are like distraught about situations Zuba's going through. You're mm-hmm. like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are really, like, invested. Which I think is a beautiful thing for, like, the people behind the production and people who've created these characters and spent all those, like, daunting hours on set working so hard. People work really hard. Like, the people that everybody's watching and everything, even still on Zuba, some people, and people in Pali and all these, people work crazy hours and still have to bring their best to the table. And you know this. and, And it's just amazing. It's great feeling when people connect to it because then you feel like okay cool it was really worth it to become this person and you know lose aspects of me to take on this you know other being and you do and i think people also forget like hours that you work when you're filming television Mm -hmm. you don't have time for like your personal life what personal life Mm -hmm. so now when you're in a relationship (laughs) or even like a magic if you're a main character or even as a supporting character there's loads of days where you're going to be on set exactly maybe you're getting home at three in the morning you're you leaving. don't have energy. You're leaving at six in the morning again. Like you don't have energy. It's for other things. You just don't. Even just shopping for food for your own house. Like you have to like calculate that. Send somebody things like that. It's it's really tasking to be an actor and anyone who works in television, not just an actor, because yeah. you know we forget there's there's other people. There's people that are you know there's the lighting people, the sound people, the the DOPs, the camera people set people it's just like there's all these people involved and they hardly have a life it's fun and games to watch them but they don't have a life while they're doing that it's just tv i don't see my other fellow creative friends often because everybody's busy like like chosa i haven't seen him in forever because he's always on set shooting yeah so when is he and then when he has a shout out to chosa by the way shout out chosa when you hear this (laughs) i know right oh we love you yeah um very fun guy to work with but anyway uh so in keeping with you know talking about not having time and even Mm -hmm. having to get someone to either buy stuff for you because i think some of the unhealthy patterns we develop on sets is also unhealthy eating. Yes. Because you don't have the energy or the time to like pre-make meals unless maybe you have like some wondrous job where maybe you've got like the one weekend off and you can, you you are not Mm -hmm. exhausted and you Uh can actually like do meal preps, organize your food. Gosh, meal prepping. I I could never, I'm just being honest. Like shout out to anyone who does it. You guys are strong. You're wonderful. You're pillars of society. (laughs) I try it like I'll be good with it for three months and then it all falls apart. I, I can't, I can't do it. Like it's not. Mm. But so yeah, that's like part of looking after yourself yes. with nutrition. But also, mm-hmm. you and I always have conversations about mental health mm-hmm. and how it's important to maintain sort of a healthy emotional and mental well-being while working as a creative. Very, it's so very important. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you manage your mental health? It's a very good question. I feel like I always need to find blocks of time where I'm either meditating or just with myself. I'm just listening to music and I'm introspecting. I'm looking at how I'm reacting to things. I'm very I'm very observant like of myself to start with, of how I am, how I feel when I leave a space. What how do I feel when I leave a group of people? 
you know, it tells me a lot about how those people have affected me and how I need to manage myself when I go back into that space as well. Mm. And because like a lot of times it's just you, you get so lost in you know, in workspaces, you know this, and you, you know, just sometimes you leave that space and you just feel so drained. But sometimes the drained is because of the work, but sometimes the drained is because of how you, how you're interacting and entertaining them and things like that. So it's just constantly reminding myself to just get back to self and get back to how I want to conduct myself, not even just performing and being reactive to people, if that yeah. makes sense. That's very draining actually for me. Um, and also, like, emotional health, that's, you know, sometimes I, I'm, I'm not always perfect at this either, but emotional health is similar things. And also, I just, I watch also how I'm eating, because, like, I think what, how I eat does really affect me personally. I like to look after my body. I like to look after myself. I like to drink a lot of water, all of those things, because there's an aspect of that that does affect your, your body does affect your emotional health. What you're putting in your body does affect you and stuff. So I'm really mostly a veggie eater than I am anything else. You know, if I'm eating a lot of meat, it's just because I've been too much in a place where that's the only thing I can have. But I do my best to do that. Fruit, veg, I always have some fruit, always have some veg, always have something on me like that because... It helps my mood. Yeah, I think it's important because what you do put into your body makes a difference. Like, as mm-hmm. we were saying, sometimes on set you can develop these unhealthy eating patterns. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're you're running to the next location and there's hungry lion there. Then, you know, all the crew wants to stop and get hungry lion. <laughs> it's like, guys, yeah. we can't keep eating fried chicken. Can we and like, <laughs> get fruit? Can we? Yeah, because sometimes even when I'm on set with people, like, people are like, oh, you have watermelon in your lunchbox? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have a banana, you have an orange, you have mm-hmm. an apple. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, these are good, healthy snacks. Or sometimes I have, like, nuts with, like, raisins exactly. or whatever else. I'm like, these are my nice little some, protein and, <laughs> yeah, and fat things that I can, like, eat and still, like, get energy from, like, pure energy. Because exactly. I feel like I can't be running off of caffeinated drinks. No. And sugar, because I'm only going to crash at the end of the day. And crashing is like, whew, I'm, exactly. I'm horrible to work with when I'm hangry. But I'm also <laughs> horrible to work with if I've had a sugar crash. Because there's just uh, nothing like your energy's be, gone. Yeah, nothing is going to be accomplished. I honestly discourage fizzy drinks. Like, I hardly drink fizzy drinks. It's very rare. I always drink tea. You know, having some tea right now, actually. Mm-hmm. But I'm always drinking tea. And I, it just helps me. That helps me to actually manage my... My emotional health, to be honest, like I drink a cup of tea and I become really introspective and I'm really just in a calm space. I mean, I'm present. I'm really present yeah. in that moment. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. This past the last two months, I have been terribly inconsistent with my meditation and my yoga. Oh, my meditation, too. Yeah. And I, I can, can feel that. it just because of my anxiety is picked mm. up or I'm short-tempered with people, or I have little patience even with myself. So how do you manage your, yourself when you I'm supposed to be busy. doing my yoga oh. <laughs> meditation every morning. <laughs> but I mean, I still, I also journal. So I have like okay, a gratitude good. journal where good. I'm always writing the things that I'm grateful for. Yes. I have like a few apps. So I do even have meditations on my phone. So mm-hmm. if I don't have a lot of time to do like a 15 to 20 minute meditation, I have downloaded ones that are like two minutes because sometimes even in a busy day, I'll just be like, I'm taking my headsets, mm-hmm. I'm going to the car and I'm just going to meditate before I lose my ish. And that's the key too. <laughs> you have to find these blocks of time. Like as your life gets busier, more like, 
you have so many more things to do like as you get older you have so many more commitments too and it's just true and you have to find you have to literally prioritize time whether you're working and you can take 10 minutes to be outside in the sun i do this a lot outside in the sun 10 minutes 15 minutes you need it be outside do use that moment because you're not always going to find that for example some of our mornings are like terrible like you know you're just getting out and leaving you know and then last especially now in winter like i'm also finding it it's a struggle for me to get up Mm -hmm. as early to do my workout or Mm -hmm. my meditation because i'm just like i just want to lay in bed a little bit longer that's another thing you know (laughs) yeah i know i've I've, I've really fallen off but what you're saying is so true because today actually a friend of mine on twitter nomsa she was like I really love that how these days I'm taking my lunch hour outside and I'm sitting in the sun and mm-hmm. I'm listening to like my Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. She was like, it's doing wonders for me. It's making me feel happy. It's just what I need. Because, yeah. you know, we don't necessarily, especially when you're adults and you don't necessarily have a lot of time. But if you want to have good mental health, if you want to have good physical or emotional health, you've got to look at it as I need to actually carve out time for that. Exactly. Otherwise, you're never going to get you're around a priority. to it. You have to make yourself a priority at all times. And I know it's tough sometimes. People have more things going on than us, maybe. Maybe they have like children, multiple children, or even just one child. I mean, that's a lot, I'm sure. You know, mm. partners, you know, homes that they have to take care of with people they're looking after, businesses they're running. But like prioritizing yourself, like I felt... It changes everything. Five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. Just find the time. Yeah. Journaling is also key. I've been doing that since I was very, very young, and I just, I've never stopped. Yeah, I used to, most of my journals used to be, like, poetry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I still, like, I'll write, like, almost like a dear diary. My day was terrible today. Okay, oh, not I'm, like that, but, like, sometimes I've I write I've been doing those. just like that. Just like a snobby teen, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I do that sometimes, but I found it's more about, like, my gratitude mm-hmm. Um, even just writing down my affirmations and mm-hmm. even just like setting an intention for the day. So like yeah. I, my intention for, let's say tomorrow will be focused because mm-hmm. I've been lacking in that <laughs> and I need to like wake up and like actually get up off my butt and do the things I was meant to have been doing this whole week Yes. and just, you know, sort of finish the week strong. So mm-hmm. I think I've been lacking focus so how am I going to help myself to focus it's all the different things like making sure I'm in the right environment making sure I eat a healthy breakfast when I wake up making sure I do a meditation even if I just do a short 15 minute yoga Mm -hmm. sequence Mm -hmm. that's fine I need to obviously clear out my workspace have a specific workspace those are things that are going to help me like connect and be grounded and be able to actually get through the work because I think, you know, sometimes we're very tempted, especially now with work from home. I'm just going to work in my bed. And oh, like, my God, no. Worst no. idea ever. You fall asleep. I think even when I have to work. Or even you start, you have uh-huh. to delete Netflix. You have to get rid of whatever. Because then you <laughs> find yourself know. binging series when you're supposed to be working. Listen, like, I couldn't work in the bed. Like, I don't even like to watch, like, things in my bed. Usually, I do it a lot lately. But, like, I think it takes away from that association with the bed is just a place, place of, of resting rest, right it does like when i just start watching stuff in it, i'm just like why am i doing this i'm never gonna sleep early See, my partner tries <laughs> to what we watch stuff in the living room mm-hmm. but like then when i'm alone yeah it's the bed and yeah i feel like that's probably why i'm not as well rested <laughs> 
Rest, please. And rest is very important. Also, screen, screen time. When I go to bed, I've been bad lately. I Yo. need to just like switch everything off an hour before I go to bed because you cannot be on your phone and then think you're gonna have like restful sleep within. I need to get minutes. back to the to the where I was policing myself about how early to get off my phone or my computer, whatever, my laptop, computer, because they don't even call it that anymore. But anyways, yes, computer, you heard it here. So I try to get off that sometimes as early as I can, but even your screen time, like self-care as well is how little time I have I spend on my phone. Like I try not to do too much interneting so much social media. Me. Oh my gosh, there's so much. You will disappear. You will delete Instagram. You will Guys, I'm done Twitter. deleting Instagram, by the way. I will, <laughs> I will just abandon it if I need to. I don't need to delete it. I'm an extremist sometimes, so I feel like, you know. Hey, yes. I'm just like, oh, it's gone again. Oh, there's a new one. Oh, why am I getting a request from Chembo? Like, don't I follow her already? <laughs> But yeah. we'll see if she keeps her promise. Okay. I'll just leave it alone. If I do disappear, I'm just leaving it as it is, I promise. But yeah. So let's talk about music mm-hmm. because, correct me if I'm wrong, but last time I checked, you're an independent artist. I am. Like a lot of, I mean, there are quite a few independent artists mm-hmm. throughout the world right now just because it's, it's a, thing. a better... I know that it's better, but it's a way that people can have ownership and control over their creativity. Yes. And I think, you know, people have also just seen, like, after all the years of hearing stories about bad record deals and business deals. They're still happening now. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. that still happen now. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good way to have that certain level of control. But um, can you talk about what it's like being an independent musician? Yo, listen, don't do it, hey? Don't do it. Get signed. <laughs> Get that check. Get that check. Get that check. Like, sign your name away. Just, you know. Secure the bag. Secure the bag. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, being an independent artist is really challenging. I'm not going to sit here and lie because, like, I think now than before, I, I'm slowly getting to a point where I have consistent people I, I can call on and work with, consistent mm-hmm. people. So that's happening and it's been a very slow process because even the the thing of me being fully immersed in my music has not really been that much of a thing because I have other avenues and other art spaces I exist in. Um, but yeah, so I would say just, you need to be very good at like planning timing your relationships managing relationships with people photographers producers you know making sure you have but you have to earn money and then put it into your music so music is very like capital intensive i think Mm -hmm. that's another thing a lot of independent like younger musicians can sometimes forget just because you have like a producer friend doesn't mean that you know you should be using them for free like at least try to find some money if they want you and they're okay with that cool you know develop yourself that's a really big plus but sometimes you get to a point where you just want to, you want the work to be great and you want the person who's doing the work to be motivated and money is a good motivator, you know, people get mm-hmm. more than money. So like, it's tough, but I'm getting better at it. <laughs> and how have you, like, because I know you've definitely like studied all these things as well. Like you've been reading yeah. up yeah, on course. the industry that you're in, of course, so yeah. you can understand what platforms you can put your music on that makes sense even financially Mm because as you said you have to reinvest in your business it's not because 
you if let's say if you sold ten thousand copies mm-hmm. of whatever an EP or whatever today, mm-hmm. you can't just go out and be like, oh yeah, now I have all this money. Let nope. me just go and spend it or whatever. It's like no 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 no. First you gotta reap whatever it is you invested in. For example, you record a song, whatever you you know you spent on that. Promoting the song, whatever you spent on that. The artwork, the artwork usually costs more than the song. And really, if we're being honest, because the wow. makeup artist and the photographer and yeah. the set and then the travel, that's like more money than you probably recorded the song for. And then like lunch, if it's a it, long shoot. Of course, lunch, things. water, mm. sweets. I like those sweets because I can Even set. all the other things, the aspects, because traveling. Travel, yes, but also your data, your airtime that you spend coordinating. So, like, sometimes we don't factor in all (laughs) those things as costs. (laughs) The internet to research the the types of shots you want, the look you want, liaising with the makeup artist, the photographer. And this time round, I'm very, very proud of myself with how I coordinated everything. But very capital intensive, guys. Be prepared. Um, But I would say even the set, we had to pay for the set to use the set. So... Yeah, that was. Um, it's been very rewarding though. I really feel like this new single, Talk my, about one of my it. favorite artworks. Like I've had to do. Like I've just. It's absolutely gorgeous. Now <laughs> we're talking about your single "Drowning," yes, which is currently available on Besasani. Yes. And I don't know Spotify, what Spotify, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal. If you use Tidal, YouTube Music. If you have YouTube Music. And just search for it everywhere. I mean, I'm sure you find it somewhere. Just Google Shembo Music Browning and you find it somewhere where it's suitable. Buy it on Vesasani, you know, preferably. Yeah. But yes, stream support it local. <laughs> yes, support local. And also, it's better pay for the artist. Streaming is peanuts. I know, right? <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that. So, yeah. like, when people are streaming, whether it's an international mm. star or it's even like you or another Zambian or African artist mm-hmm. what is that versus obviously us removing let's say if, you're, if a single is 9 kwacha, 10 kwacha mm-hmm. in order to buy the single so the difference is this every stream on Spotify first of all you've paid in dollars right mm-hmm. first of all we pay to be on those platforms now you can use DistroKid where you pay like $20 a year right but that's already a $20 investment right before we put out a single when you put out the single, if you only put out one single, it's cost you $20, really. So you put it on there and you get paid 0.0036 of a cent wow. per listen. Now, think about how many listens. Just to get like something like 100,000 listens gets you only like a thousand something dollars, something like that. That's what, how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. But with Investasani and platforms where they're selling music, like let's say Bandcamp, you know, mm-hmm. if you buy the song, the artist gets either all the proceeds or they get a percentage, which is like for a kwacha, which is like 50 cents currently, and it's like 40 pence for 35 pence pounds wise. You can't, I get half of that. I get, I get exactly half. So I get to make exactly half of that. So if I make 20 cents or I make 50 cents or I make 10 kwacha, that's a 10 kwacha I have, as opposed to me making or something mm. like that that I'm not going to see really until I earn a certain amount because I don't want to withdraw of that money if I only have like a dollar. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's like, you know, when you're, I'm sure now everybody can sort of understand mm-hmm. pandemic wise, I think we've all managed to find work online. Exactly. Now, with payout systems, whether you're like, let's say PayPal, Payoneer, whatever platform you're using, 
you have to accumulate a certain amount of money exactly before you can actually even remove it yeah and so yeah buy merchandise by artists i'm gonna have merch later this year buy the merch Ooh. this summer there'll be merch Buy the I, merch. I, I want to know what the merch is. But oh I guess you can't my tell me. goodness! Does the merch include? No, if the merch included teacups. I'm just. You know, I'd be drinking <laughs> tea so much, like it would be a shame. But that'll be a later development, actually, because Maybe. of the yeah. amounts of monies it'd be costing. But you definitely get shopper bags because, and I, I don't care if any other artist does this, actually, guys. Shopper bags so you can have reusable bags that are also cute to go yeah. and buy your groceries in. And I have. I use most, I only use reusable bags. If I have me a plastic too. bag, it's because someone gave it to me. Or I just happened to forget on that day, which almost never, ever happens. You know, I'm very environmentally like conscious. We're all trying so. to be, yeah, sustainability and, mm-hmm. and saving the environment. Those mm-hmm. are very, very important. So my merch will be very much around that too. Like I want to make sure everyone's, you know, Ooh, I can't doing wait. their bit. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so, so cute. It's going to be cute. So yeah. you started your Let's Talk Music Yes. On your Instagram. It's also, I think, appears on your YouTube, right? Yes, yeah? it does. So this was where you featured a lot of musicians from across Africa. I'm not sure if yes, you also it was had, Africa. It was Africa. Yes. Focused, right? Focused, yeah. Um, many local Zambian musicians that we know of and that we love. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to have that? Like for me, it was like a podcast or yeah, it was yeah, like a like you know Insta in podcast. Mm. <laughs> but why did you decide to do that? Because it was also so fascinating for me to get like a peek behind. Aside from the fact that yes, I can sing whatever I've done yes. like music, but I and have APs forever pending, guys. I don't know. No, there's Anyways, never gonna be an EP. It's never gonna just be decided. About it, but no, yeah. it's okay, fine. Okay. The one song that most people know with Sebastian Dutch, it can live rent free in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for me, not actually actively working in the industry and not mm. trying to, it was a really good look at the madness, the chaos, the trials and tribulations, like. I learned so much, but like, why oh, was that God. important for you to do? Um, so this is how that came about. So in 2019, in fact, 2018, not even 2019, I started looking at the industry in a different way because now I dabbled into it. I'd experienced a few things, done a few shows, done, been booked for this, been paid for this, made money for it. So when I went back to the UK, I went to a conference, a music conference. I went to two music conferences and I learned a lot of things, but then I'd always had this thing that I wanted to give information out to new and artists that were more new to the game. I'm not saying young artists, I just mean young in terms of being a musician and like actively pursuing music. And I just saw a gap. There's a lot of things I didn't see people doing. I didn't see people putting, for just a simple, this is a simple thing, changing the URL of your SoundCloud to forward slash your music name. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and if you're, there's big musicians that have this problem too. Pre- presently, meaning you haven't seen Let's Talk Music, please do it. Do yourself a favor. Right? Uh, <laughs> Go and find it. Yes, um, you know the URL, knowing how to market yourself, uniformity uh, like uh, across all your platforms, making sure that you know how to approach radio, you know television, how to package yourself, writing a bio about yourself. All these things are things a lot of young artists, kind of like new to the game artists, overlook. Because you're just so easily accessible. You have your Instagram bio or Twitter bio. That's not enough. You can easily just say musician in your bio. But you need to have something you can email, how to email. So mm. what I wanted to do first was in 2019, I did it in person. There wasn't that many people. I think it was like 10 people, 12 people yeah. that attended. And it was a paid thing. And 
I was already encouraged by that because I didn't know. I didn't think even one person would show up. And then in 2020, when Corona happened, because I planned to do it again in 2020, I thought I'd be mm-hmm. here for another four weeks in Zambia because I went back to the UK, guys. And then, yeah, anyways. And then I thought people want to listen to people that they think are prominent, not just me, Chambo, who they think has had a couple of songs and that. They want to hear from a Makitu, you know, from a J. You know, even though he wasn't on it, yeah, <laughs> a Jedi, there was a um, Dope G, all these people. So I wanted to ask those people really specific questions and have these be reference points, you know, like Hosta, you know, talking about management, talking about international bookings, talking about marketing. So all these key points, I learned so much too. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted that to happen. It will keep happening every year. There's another one coming this year. It's such so, a wealth of yeah. like knowledge. And I love that. Obviously, it was something that anyone and still is something that people can access and Mm -hmm. go back and watch and really learn, like even just as a fan, I think it's also important for us to also understand like why it's important for us Mm -hmm. to be supporting and buying the music and not illegally downloading stuff or whatever because people have put blood, sweat, money, time, tears into their craft, into what they're doing and sometimes (sighs) we take it for granted because we're just like, oh, well... It's a song. Okay. It's a song, or yeah, it's it's their concert. That's like a them issue. Exactly. Like I have nothing to do with that. I've paid my entrance. Exactly. And it's like you, the people, the supporters. I hate the word fans anyway, but the supporters. I feel like are very important. But if they also understand a little bit more about what what matters most to the artist in terms of growing the artist, like buying their merchandise, buy their merch when it comes out. <laughs> buying their merch, buying their songs, you know, going to their shows, you know, supporting that way, sharing their work. I think uh, an educated like support base is so much more valuable to the artist's growth. You know, mm-hmm. we want we want wealthy artists. Another thing, another reason I did that is I want artists coming out of Africa, especially this region, Zambia specifically. I want wealthy artists. I want to be able to like in five, ten years even. I want some of the people who've heard Let's Talk Music, like that, who've listened to all those episodes and whatever, to make way more money than anybody has made now. Mm. I want them to be like making millions of dollars because they've got all this in the bag and they're moving at the level of an international and um, you know artist that's yeah. getting booked everywhere, like a Mr. Easy or somebody. You know, that's the intention. And that's the thing is like we have so much talent. There are people. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's still, for me, like, sometimes I just get shook that, you know, I can understand some of the whys behind it, but, like, why we're not, we don't have artists Mm -hmm. who are bigger than even a South African artist or whatever. Like, what? Like, financially, too, because that that shows a lot. When I say bigger, I also mean financially. (laughs) Like, trust me, I'm all about the bag. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my days. But, yeah, like, we can do that, too. I know we're, like, Zambia is a small population, quote, unquote, but so is Wales, and I know Welsh artists that are making a killing. And yeah, I know they get to benefit off of being part of the UK, but we're also part of SADC, mm. you know, so we can't neglect all these things and we have to tap into. I'm still learning, guys. Like, I only did that because, like, I really feel like we can keep growing in a better way. But yeah, I'm still learning also, you know, still trying out the things I learned from all the amazing musicians that were on Let's Talk Music last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm grateful that you did that because, yeah, it was very. Not only did I get to see your beautiful face more <laughs> every often than I actually weekend. do, yeah, every weekend. It was nice for me because I was like, oh, this is my friend. 
Um, but I also got to learn a lot and also got to like fan out. Sorry, I know you don't like that word, but like about some of <laughs> no, my favorite musicians, like just like, oh my, God, oh my gosh, they're yeah. talking to my friend. Like now I know them through Chamber. Oh my God. Like I fanned out. The very last episode was with Mackie too. And we were talking about longevity. I actually had a moment where I was like, yo, I cannot believe I'm just having like a casual one-on-one conversation about music with Mackie too. Guys, believe that moment for me was like, yeah, it was really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so uh, talking a little bit now about theater and performing arts mm-hmm. and music, all these different things, because I know you've worked with Bare Feet. You mm-hmm. actually enjoy working with like young people. Mm-hmm. What? I feel like I know the answer to this question because you know, <laughs> talk about this okay. all the time, but it's more of, Chamba, what do we need to do to have like a thriving art scene or whatever for like kids, like arts programs? Mm. Because it's really like, I mean, of course we need things like the stakeholders, government, schools, yes. whatever, to have programs. Yeah. Programs also cost money. We need to like actually show love and appreciation mm-hmm. for the arts. And I think, you know, in its heyday, mm-hmm. not saying that National Arts Council is still doing things now, but yes. I'm just saying, I think before, arts was also something that was at one point even more revered and mm-hmm. more beloved than it kind of feels like it is now. I get what you mean, actually. I feel hmm, such a big question and it's I such know. a huge point, actually, because schools play a big role, yes, but also us guys, the ones that are in the creative field right now, we do need to start approaching schools, doing workshops, mm. finding ways to connect with Yeah, schools. what are we giving back? Yes, and finding just a way of collaborating, or maybe if it's a mon- there's a monetary exchange, it's fine too, whatever, but just having workshops in different schools, educating young people, and by different schools, I mean low-income area schools too, mm-hmm. you know, not just Don't limiting just it to... focus on an international yes, school or a private school. Exactly, not just focusing on the internationals, the privates, blah, blah, blah. We also do need to focus on these other areas where there's more people, actually. The density of people is higher. And, like, I did work with um, Alliance Francaise School, the French school behind Alliance Francaise. Mm-hmm. I did some drama classes there. And... That was really fun. It was for like five, six, seven-year-olds. You know, it was very crazy. Honest to God, it was a crazy time. Small people are very funny. (laughs) Very difficult to teach sometimes. So shout out to all the teachers. I like to call them teacup humans. But yes, that's from True Blood. But yeah, they are. they're, They're very entertaining. Very entertaining. But if we start at that level and also I also did a talk in um, Chawama to mm-hmm. young people via this organization called the Reach One Child Foundation and I spoke about the arts I even showed a bit of Zuba I, I showed some artwork listen, had them listen to a song had them ask me questions about the arts and I just think that already like they had so many things to ask and they were like so interested and I feel like it's up to us now if we want to yeah. see young people that value the arts and the way we want them to value them and also have millionaire actors, actresses, directors in the future, that's going to have to be us going out there and literally finding 30-minute blocks to talk to young people. That's so true because I'm currently working on a documentary and then, of course, you know, we've gone into some schools and shot Mm -hmm. some stuff. Then, of course, kids are looking and they're naturally curious. They're like, oh, 
how did you learn how to use a camera? Or mm-hmm. like I'm moving around with someone who I won't say their name, mm-hmm. but like is a prominent person at ZNDC. Then people mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, it's that person. And they're exactly. like, recognize them. And it's like, we, we don't put ourselves in those spaces often enough where we can actually like, there are people who like love you or intrigued by what mm-hmm. you do, but then they feel like it's so in- inaccessible and out of exactly. their reach. So us actually bridging that gap and being there and being able to say, oh, this is how I kind of started mm-hmm. or this is something that you can do. Because even when like a lot of other smaller towns and stuff, when they used to do like community radio mm-hmm. and like do like kiddie radio clubs. Exactly. And we used to even have trendsetters in Lusaka. Oh, yes, the magazine. The magazine, yeah. And I remember on weekends I would go have meetings there. I felt like I had like a real job. (laughs) Write my little articles. I didn't even know you did like some stuff Uh, with trendsetters. Yeah, I did do stuff with trendsetters way back when I was like in high school. Wow. But like, you know, it kind of gave me a peek behind. I mean, at that point I didn't think I'd end up writing so much as I Mm -hmm. do for magazines. But like, Oh, and you now started, looking like, back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was in that environment or in that journalistic environment. Exactly. So like these kids who don't necessarily have access to these environments, we need to like remove ourselves from mm-hmm. our own environment and go there. So exactly. I think that's access. a great way to start. You said bridging the gap and that's literally what we need to do. We need to start not letting these things look too exclusive, but also make sure kids from different areas can see themselves doing certain things can mm. be like, oh, okay, a camera operator. Oh, I might want to do that, actually. That sounds like an interesting job. That sounds like a fun, you know, so Creative Industries has a capability to transform way more lives, I feel like, than any other industry. Personally, I feel like that's the industry that can employ it's got majority. A lot of power. It does. Mm. We can have, imagine like a bunch of young people from whatever area, I don't know, Kawata or North Mid or whatever, that a bunch of young people there that are probably currently not employed because they just finished school, they're waiting for uni or whatever, but they start doing like a little internship at a creative, you know, company or whatever, where they're just learning how to operate cameras. They're going to kill it after like six months to a year. They're going to be employed doing some sort of assistant work on a set or whatever, mm-hmm. and then that can grow from there. But yeah, yeah. and it's kind <laughs> of like the way that before there were establishments like tra- like um film schools and things mm-hmm. like... I know, like, let's say, take the UK, for an example, mm-hmm. uh, very, like, theatre-focused and stuff, but mm-hmm. everyone who works in, like, television basically trained, they did a, what do you call it again? When you're, uh, like, an attachment. Oh, oh okay, yeah, like an, it's it. like an internship, it's like, yeah, it's like, like an a, internship, but there's a specific word. Mm-hmm. But um, it's yeah, it's kind of like going to like a trade school or whatever. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's very specific. So like you want to work in the camera department, you get your attachment there, you start learning in that way, and there was no like formal. Oh, exactly. here's a certificate. You exactly. just like worked your way up until eventually you were shooting like your first solo episode of EastEnders or yes. whatever. Or they gave you that opportunity, and then from there you just like sort of grow your name. Yeah. But it needs you to be in the, like you said, in those spaces. And mm. also, we do need more schools that focus on the arts. And yeah. I do think that's something that we can have several even. But I do think we definitely need more of those. I'd love to see more art schools. I'd love to see the Playhouse have more workshops um, around theater and acting and stage mm. management. And I'd love to see the Playhouse and... just be revived again. Me too. I did so many plays there. I used to do lighting. I used to oh, wow. be on stage. I used to, yeah, I've done musicals there. I've, yeah. <laughs> Playhouse was like home because I yeah, was very much, when I was in school, into like theater. 
So that's, that's like amazing. what I did all the time. That needs to happen. It needs to be revived for real. We need it back. We don't need it gone. Whoever's listening and had no one's, <laughs> and we don't want to see more there. Like I'll literally come and protest. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. But yeah, we need the we need it. We need spaces like that. Yeah. We do, we do. <laughs> oh, well, Chambo, I want to say thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you also it's for having me. It's been so lovely chatting with you. Can you quickly tell the people where they can find you on social media? What are your handles? Well, you can find me <laughs> on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, at Chembo Music, C-H-E-M-B-O Music. And also YouTube, Chembo Music. You can watch some of my work there. Facebook, I'm on Facebook as well. I do try to post on my page a lot more. It's also Chamber Music. And yeah, send me an email if you want. Just chambermusic at hotmail.com and say hi or tell me if you like a song or you want to buy some merch when it's out. But yeah. Again, buy that merch, guys. <laughs> and also, please go and get yourself a copy of her latest single. It's Drowning. Yes. Uh, it's called Drowning, sorry. And it's on um, Visasani. Yes. I bought a copy of it. I yes, love listening thank you to so it. Much. Also, make sure that you check out the dope artwork. <laughs> um, we're hoping maybe we'll get a video. We're hoping. We're hoping we'll get you know, a video. These cost money, hey? They cost a lot of bags. If you feel like sponsoring the Drowning video, <laughs> hit me up on Twitter and on the other social media. But for real, um, I am looking into that at the moment and... But yeah, all the possible, you know, arts funders, private arts funders, whatever, it's fine. Go ahead. But buy the song, because if you buy the song, I can put that money towards it. And yeah, Drowning is out now. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Check the show notes for links to Chambo's work. Before we go, show a little love for your favorite podcast on Anchor by sending us a round of applause, giving us a star, and leaving us a voice message on Anchor. Who knows, you could get a shout out on the next episode. That's it for episode 5 of season 2. Remember to look out for more episodes and continue to join the conversation. Until next time.